What's up? Dude, is that awesome or what? So this has been, uh, this has been something we have not talked a lot about it. Um, I hate doing announcements. I had to do one last week. We did that so I wouldn't have to do another one. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. God is doing something awesome. Uh, the, the way our house churches are expanding and growing, people are coming in, uh, in the building and actually it's like 50% less than it was last week. So I guess everybody's coming to, oh, it's daylight savings time. That okay. That makes sense. Cause I was like, I was like, we just said it. And now I'm looking out in the crowd. Everybody's at home sleeping. I guess we'll need more chairs for the second service, but, um, we love seeing everybody. And I, I just wanted to do this and it may backfire me this morning, but I still want to do it. If, if you did not go to church here, prior to COVID, or you had just, just kind of found us prior to COVID, and you, the first couple weeks or Sundays or months was through broadcasting. Can you just raise your hand really fast? I just want to see that. One, two, three, four. She was nervous, but she raised her hand. All right. That's awesome. So this is one of the things that I love about this is that we, we have seen people start, we're, we're, we're starting to find out about house groups where people started watching and nobody told us. And so then like a month, two months, three months into it, we find out there's like 15 people meeting together uh, and, and they're just not official. And so I want to just, I want to tell you, if, if, if God ever lays this on your heart uh, to do this and to go that direction, be faithful with that because God's doing something awesome in that. And, and if this is, uh, if you want to be in here on the weekends, we want you in here on the weekends. The more we get past COVID, uh, I'm just excited about the future. Ultimately, God is always taking care of us. A hundred percent. And if you've been a part of our church for any length of time, you've seen the way God takes care of his church. Amen. So I want to tell you, if, if this is your first time here or whatever, and we're talking about money, listen, we, I don't, we don't fundraise. Okay. We've never really fundraised. We did. There's a scripture that hit me so hard when I was younger, when it came to money. And it was when God was raising, basically raising funds to build the very first temple under the leadership of Moses. And he, God spoke to Moses and he said, tell the people what my plan is and then offer an opportunity to give. And if they don't give with a generous heart, do not take it. And I felt overwhelmed uh, with that. And I, so a part of our response to that truth is that we just trust God to put it in your heart. If God puts it in your heart, you'll obey. And we don't ever want to do any of the pressure tactics or any of those, like, I wonder how many people are going to go to hell today because you didn't give any money. Like, that's not who we are. We don't want, literally, the Bible calls it cursed money. Like, if you don't give it of a generous heart, we don't want it. And we just trust God to do that. And so if God lays that on your heart, be faithful with that. He always is taking care of us, and we're excited. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to pray real fast, and then we are going to preach. Well, I'm going to preach, and you're going to listen. Father God, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, Lord, for just uh, moving the way that you have, God, over the last year. It's just been an incredible thing just to see your hand at work, God. I come before you this morning, Lord, and I pray, God, as we start this series, Father, heading into Easter, I pray that you will open up our hearts, open up our minds, God. Give us wisdom, God, to discern and to see your goodness in our lives, God. I pray, Lord, that if, if there are those this morning that are, are, are without you, God, they're in a desperate place, they just feel lost in life, I pray, God, specifically for them, whether they're in this building or they're at home or they're driving down the road listening, God, I pray, Lord, that you will use this message in their life, bring a light to their life this morning in your holy name, amen. We're starting a brand new series, and I am crazy excited about it. It's every, the entire series is going to be out of Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Um, so for the next few weeks leading all the way up to Easter, we're going to be in Psalm 107. And, and this is such a crazy psalm to me because as, as the Lord opened it up to my heart and I discovered it, I realized that, that this was a, 
a battle cry of the, the psalmist, of the writers. Um, and if you don't know a ton about the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms is basically, it's, it's worship songs and poetry, many of which David wrote. Uh, and, and the worshipers and the, the, the Levites and the, the people at the temple that he instructed to create music and to create songs for the glory of the Lord, a lot of them came out of that. Some of it's Moses, some of it's other people. Um, but, but all of these, are, they're written songs and poetry and stories of the goodness of God in our lives, of the struggles, not just the good moments, but the difficult moments, the bad moments. Sometimes it's just David just being angry and frustrated. Sometimes it's David being depressed. Sometimes it's David celebrating. Sometimes it's David just, it's just, it's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful book of words worship unto God in various ways. And, and Psalm 107 is that. And it, it, it's specifically, and this is the part where I want you to hang on just for a second. It's specifically speaking to people who have both been redeemed by God and those who are in need of being redeemed by God. And that's every single person in this room. That's every single person at home. That's every single person in your house church. It's speaking to two people, those who are redeemed by God and those who are in the, the need of being redeemed by God. And the first verse or two uh, is one of the most famous Psalms uh, ever, one of the most famous verses in Psalms uh, where it just says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? And, and that's what all the songs say, uh, but that literal word is let the redeemed of the Lord shout it, scream it, sing it, say it. Proclaim it. And so the, the command here, and, I, and I, he starts with that, and he says, listen, if you've been redeemed, and as we go through these five different seasons of life and these five different areas of life, as we go through this, I want you, and, and you know you're here, he's given you a command up front. He's saying, if you get down there and you're, you're, you're not in need of this season anymore, because the thing that's beautiful about this is that these five over the next few weeks, every single person is going to be find themselves in one of these places or definitely coming out of one of these places. And he says, if God's already brought you out of that, he did that. He brought you out of that. He delivered you. He redeemed you from the enemies from the north, south, east, and west. And he says, so shout that to the top of the mountains. I think that our whole world would be dynamically different if those who have seen the goodness of God would just tell somebody about it. If, if we would just shout it, we'll shout about our favorite sports team. We'll shout about the stock market. We'll shout about our favorite politician. We'll shout, 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 shout about all of the things that don't matter. But if the Christians, if those who have been truly redeemed and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and seen him, him working in your life, if we would just shout that as loud as we shout everything out, I'm telling you, we would have genuine life-changing, country-changing, world-changing revival. I believe that. Listen, this is the reality is we are made to worship and you will shout about something. You cannot help it. It may be yourself. It may be your own works and acts. It may be your own deeds. It may be uh, like sports teams and stuff. You will always be, you're always excited about something. It may be something as dumb as the rom-com you watch with all your girlfriends on Friday night, but every single day you've got something to say. And what the writer is, is like, you've got more than you could ever imagine if you've been redeemed by God to say, so why waste your breath about a rom-com when you could it literally use your breath to change people's lives by sharing and shouting the goodness of God that's in your life? And that's ultimately what we want to do for 30 days. We just want to, if, if we want to shout, we want to give God glory, we want to give him credit, we want to give him honor, we just want to tell the world about the goodness of God. And I'm excited about that. But I want to start off. Before we get into this first part, I want to go to Psalm 107, 43. It's the last verse 
And if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't uh, have, get your phones out, you can go there on the Bible app or you can download our Pursuit app. This is what it says. Psalm 107, verse 40, 43. Whoever is wise. Anybody want to raise your hand? Be like, that's me. He's talking to me. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things or observe these things and consider the great love of the Lord. So there's, the, the, there's a command in the first verses, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord shout it. And then there's a command in the last verse that as you've read through the 40, other 42 verses, he says, if you're wise, it's really asking if you want to be wise, if you want to gain understanding, Go back through the 42 verses and observe all of these things. Ponder all of these things. Take all of these things in these different aspects of life, these different lines and verses about the goodness of God. And as you look through this and you consider this, it's, it's, it's painting the picture that if you will meditate on it, if you will look at it, you will grow to understand or see or ponder the love of the Lord, the great love of the Lord. And, and the thing that I love about that word love right there is that's not the normal word for love. And most translational translate love or loving kindness or goodness. What it really is, it means goodness or kindness. This is the word that describes the actions God takes out of love. Does that make sense? So he's saying, don't, it's, it, it's the love of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's really, it's, it's saying the goodness of God. Love is, is, is God loves you. And then he's saying, you will see the goodness of God that comes out of his love for you. That's the specifically what that thing is. And that's what we want to do through this entire series is we want to look at these different seasons of our life and these different places that we find ourselves in and see the way that God has saved us from those or moved us from those, and we want to be able to see and identify the goodness of God in these things. And it's a call to those who've experienced it, and then it's also a call to those who are in need of it. And so as you look through these things and you are lost or you're overwhelmed or you're struggling with life right now, this is an opportunity for you to see the goodness of God and to cry out to him, knowing that he will save you wherever you are right now, even today. And that's what we want to do for the next 30 days. And so I, I want to start with the very first, it's broken up into five sections. In this first section, starting in 107 verse 4, it's, it's who he's labeling as the wonders, the wonders, the wonders, wonders, wonders. I'm not going to lie to you guys, all week long, I've listened to the, I've gotten the internet, I've got out how to pronounce it, how to say it, I've tried to play it a hundred times, I've heard a hundred different ways, and I'm still not a hundred percent sure how to say wander, or wonder, wanderers, do you guys want to help me with this really fast? What is it? What do you think that it is? Want, see, that's my point, I heard three different things right here. This is one of the weirdest words in the human language, wanders. But as weird as it is to say, and as dumb as it might sound, and I may say it five different ways, this word is a bleak word. Wonders. This is what it says. It says, some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their souls fainted within. Some translations say, and their lives ebbed away. 
Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. So the wonders. I know some people don't think you should listen to any music that's not Christian, but I do, so I love you. Forgive me. But there's a band that I really like called Mumford and Sons. Anybody, anybody know Mumford and Sons? All right, so we got three cool people in here. Got you. All right. So Mumford and Sons is definitely a younger generation, my, my generation growing up as a millennial. But there is a song that they have called Hopeless Wonder. And, and I've never seen a, a truer picture painted of what the heart of this word really means. Because if you were to look up the word wonder um, in, in the dictionary, even look it up uh, in, in, in different practical ways, and you, and you see this, everybody kind of paints this picture of almost like roaming aimlessly. It's almost like that, you know, that, that hippie traveler, just try, you know, I'm just going wherever the wind takes me, you know, wherever the tulips go, that's where I'm going to go and something. I don't know. I've never been a hippie, but it's, it, it, it paints this picture of just like, you're just kind of traveling without any sense of, you don't really care where you're going. It, and in a lot of ways, our culture has almost tried to put a positive spin on this word. It's just, you're just going through life and it's just, you don't have a care in the world and you're just going. But that, that is a false sense of reality. That is not what this word is. That's not what this word means. You're not just roaming aimlessly, like you don't have a purpose and you're just going through and enjoying life. You're hopelessly wondering. And Mumford and Sons, as, as they go through this song and they write through this song, and if you ever wanted to listen to it, I mean, you could, there's no cuss words in it. So, I mean, it's not, it's not glorifying Satan or anything. As he goes through this, it, he's writing about a season of his life when he felt like this, when he was going through uh, his world, was going through his life, and he just kept feeling like, I'm going to find something that is going to fill me with hope. I'm going to find something that's going to make sense. And then every time I get there, every time I see it, every time I get the new relationship or I get to this new place, it's not doing what I thought it would, so I just keep going because I am a hopeless wonderer. In reality, we wonder because we are hopeless, meaning that we have not found hope. And if you wanted to write something down this morning, this is something really, really, really good for you to write down. A wonder, a true wonder, is not traveling and not going from place to place because they're, they're, they're hopeful, because they're filled. They're going from place to place because they have not found anything in their life that satisfies them enough to stay there. They're moving from place to place because they get to a place and then that city doesn't satisfy them. That city, they, he says, they, they can't find a road. They can't find a way. They can't find a path to get to a city to where they could dwell and they could settle. Every time they get to a path, they, they follow it to the city and they think maybe this is the city. This is the city that will be able to fulfill our needs. We'll, we'll be able to, our thirst will be quenched. Our hunger will be satisfied. We will find peace. This will be where it is and it can satisfy us fullest and completely. And then they get to the city. They stay there for a little while and they really, realize that they're still thirsty, they're still hungry, they're still unsatisfied, they're still empty, and so they go back out. That really is the picture of a, of a wonder. 
It, 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 and I think that what, what's so powerful is it says that their lives ebbed away in some translations, but that word is, is literally just saying their souls fainted within them. No matter which way they're going and no matter where they find themselves and no matter what relationship they get in, and no matter what job they have, uh, no matter what, what career they go down, no matter what happens in their life, every time they get to a place and they feel like this is going to be the thing, this is going to be the place, I can make my home here, this will quench my thirst, fully satisfy me, I won't be empty anymore. They stay there long enough until they realize there's nothing really here for me in this thing, in this place. And so they go on looking for something different. That's why I think Mumford nailed it with hopeless wonder because it's not roaming aimlessly. You're actually roaming very aimfully. You are roaming looking for hope. You're, you're roaming looking for satisfaction. You're looking for purpose. You're trying to find the thing that's gonna fill the void that you know is so real in your life. So you definitely have a, you might not say it like that, but you definitely have a direction. You're looking for something. You're not aimless. You're going with a purpose. You're just hopeless because every time you get somewhere, it's not there. It doesn't live up to it. It doesn't meet it. And this looks different in different people's lives. Because when you're young, when you're young, you can be a wonderer and not realize it because there's still a lot of roads you haven't gone down. So there's still a sense of hope. I haven't gone down this road. So I, I think if I could go down this road and I could get to that city, then that would be the one that, that would do it. When you're younger, there's so many roads you haven't gone down. You could still think you know, that, that, that if I could just you know, make the team, if I could just get, find somewhere to call home, if I could just find somewhere to show a sense of goodness or greatness and find some value in something, if I could just find a friend group that, that, that I can really be comfortable with, if I could just get a girlfriend or get a boyfriend, or maybe, you know, maybe it's just the intimacy, maybe I need sex and that will be the thing, and maybe I need this, and if I could just get out of my parents' house because they're clinically insane, I just want to go to college and I, and I just want to, if I could just get out here and then I could get the degree and then I could get the job and get the career and get the marriage and do the thing. When you're really young and you haven't traveled down all those roads, you may think to yourself, well, I don't feel empty. You're just distracted with hopefulness because there's a bunch of roads you haven't gone down yet. And so you spend your teens and your 20s and sometimes even your 30s going down these roads thinking, if I could just experience this, if I could just get this, if I could just achieve this, then that's what kind of what life's about. And at some point I'll wake up and I'll have peace and I'll, I'll have purpose and I'll have satisfaction and I won't be thirsty anymore and I won't be hungry anymore and my soul won't be fainting within me, that emptiness, that void, that thing. And you just think I'm there. It's just, it's delusional though. It, it, it's, it's a false sense of reality. And anybody, when you start getting around my age and a little older, you can look back on that season of your life and be like, God, what an idiot. Because you think marriage is going to be the end all be all. And then you get married and you're like, eh, I love her. I really do. But man, I, I suck at this this marriage thing, and it's not what I thought it was gonna be. And it's way harder, and it's way more difficult. Where, where's all the, the happy endings? Like, she's like mad at me and stuff. She's like, lift the toilet seat up. Don't hang out with your friends all night. She's like, leave me alone, woman. When you start getting in that, 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 
not quite middle age, but you're starting the process, you've gotten to the end of a lot of those roads and you've realized, and you're starting to realize. And, and, and the reality of it is, is when you start talking about something like a midlife crisis, do you know what that really is? I can just tell you, psychologists will charge you a ton of money to tell you, but I can just tell you right here for free. A genuine midlife crisis is all those roads you thought, you thought that's what life's about. That'll give me some satisfaction. That'll give me a sense of purpose. That'll, that'll keep my soul from being thirsty and hungry. And whatever it is, go down the normal house car crap all the way down to the job, career, purpose, marriage, this, that, or the other, whatever it is. Middle age, a middle-aged crisis is when you go down all those roads and you actually get to the end of them and you achieve those things and gain those things that you thought would bring you just full and complete utter satisfaction and you did it all and you're still just as empty as when you began and you lose your freaking mind. And people handle it one of two ways. Some people leave their family, buy a sports car, go to Vegas, marry a stripper. Some people just fall into a massive ball of depression. Some people just throw themselves even harder into those things and just praying that just something changes. But other people get so desperate that they do this crazy, crazy thing where they call out to God. And that's what, that's what these hopeless wonders did. That's what Psalms 107, four to nine are talking about. They're talking about the, the wonders who they tried every path, they tried every road, they went to every city, they went, they went to every counselor, they read every marriage book, they read every finance book, they tried to achieve it, they tried to do wisdom on their own, they, tried, they did everything they could and then they got to the end of it and in their utter emptiness and their utter distress, they instead of doing the Vegas thing and the stripper thing and the depression thing, they just cried out to God and said, said, save me from this place. Save me from this life. And as if he was just waiting the, the entire time, it says, and he delivered them from their distress. More importantly than that, the one that just hung on my soul over the last few weeks was it says, he led them by a straight path to a city where they could settle. So this is the thing that hit me. You spend your life, and I've been here, and I've walked through this, so I can testify to every ounce of the truth here, is you can be surrounded by people and feel alone. You can, you can, you can uh, literally be completely consumed by every as chasing everything, every aspect of life, and feeling lost, and feeling empty, and feeling unsatisfying, and all of those things that were not just empty around you, relationships, friendships, careers, jobs, all the things that are just in the room, you can cry out to God and he saves you, but you don't literally and physically go anyplace different. He saves you right where you are. In the same place you were lost, all of a sudden you're found. In the same marriage that was almost at its end because there was so much unsatisfaction in it, all of a sudden there's hope now and it's a good thing. And the same job that you hated and you detested and was from Satan, all of a sudden you see the good in it and there's a little bit of satisfaction there. And, and everything that you thought, you're in the desert wasteland, but you cry out to God. He doesn't move you to a different location. He just turns the desert wasteland into a beaming, beautiful, fruitful way of life. 
See, because this, this is the problem with, 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 with the way that we think and the way that we view life is we think that, that all of these other things are the problem. And if I could just get to the next thing or I could just find the right thing, then it would all work out. That's never going to be that way. Because the only thing that can satisfy us is the God who created us. He's the one who put that hole there. That was the place that in your soul, in, your, in, in the deepest part of who you are, that was where he's supposed to be. That's where his throne is. And if he's not sitting on that throne and if he's not filling you up there and he's not there, there's nothing else in this world ever under any circumstances that will ever satisfy you and bring peace to your life. I can promise you because I have tried. God is the only one that can do that. And so the thing that I hung on, though, was I was like, God, why? Because th that last verse hit me. Let those who are wise or those who want to be wise, let ponder this, look at this, examine this, and then you'll see the goodness of God in it. And so I wanted to examine it, and I wanted to see why. And in my search for that, the Lord brought me to John chapter 4, where I want to go really fast. Because the, the heart here in John 4, and what I want to solve and what I want to look at is, is how in the world... Does that work? When you call out to God and you cry out to God and he saves you, maybe saves you, literally saves you for the first time, or even as a Christian, you've just wandered so far into the world and you're still chasing so much stuff and there's just so much hopelessness in you and so much emptiness in you, and now you're crying out to God and he, when he moves in your life in this way, what changes in there? What really changes in there? And, and, and that's what God just opened up to me in John chapter four. And I'm not going to read a ton here. I'm going to catch you up really quick. You need to read the whole chapter because it's an amazing chapter. This is the famous story of the woman at the well. I'm going to make a really long sermon, 20 seconds. You guys ready for this? Jesus was really tired and he was hungry and he showed up at uh, Samaria and he, was, he sent the disciples on to get food for a well and he sat down and he was tired and as he was sitting there next to the well, a woman walked up and they started to have a conversation and he was like, I have a drink of water and she was like, I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew and, and why are you going to ask me for a drink? Because you know we hate each other and this is not a positive thing and if anybody sees you talking to me, they're going to make fun of you for the rest of your life. It's a horrible, wicked thing. You shouldn't do this and he's like, just give me something to drink. She's like, you don't even have a pill. What are you going to do about it? And he's like, if you knew who you were talking to, then you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water. And that's where I want to pick up, right there. You guys didn't know I could do that. I could do that. Everybody's like, you preach too fast. I'm like, I don't. I can, I can preach too fast. Verse 10, John 4, verse 10. There's so much in this chapter. In my, the curse of me as a person, I want to teach all of it, but I just want to hit this. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That's how he starts the conversation. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. You may still think he's talking about water. She still thinks he's talking about water, but he's not talking about water. And he's about to prove it to you. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water or a fountain of water welling up to eternal life. So he says, the water I'm talking about, I'm gonna give you 
it's going to create an, an, a, a well in your life, a spring in your life that's just going to come up and it's going to overflow into everything else in your life. But you may still be thinking he's talking about water because she does, because she responds like this. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty again and have to keep coming up here to draw water. So she's thinking this is a miraculous water prophet. And he's going to give me, and I don't ever have to bring the pell back up here and do this whole thing. I can just, and then he says something that, that most people kind of miss and they just kind of skip over it a little bit, but it's something, it's brilliant. It's just, Jesus is just brilliant the way he does this. So he says to her, go call your husband and come back. Go call your husband and come back. And he says, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. So he says, hey, listen, just so you know, I'm not talking about water. I'm talking about not physical thirst. I'm talking about soul thirst because she wasn't getting it. He says, go get your husband. She's like, well, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had five husbands and the one you're sleeping with now isn't your husband. He, he got to understand the thing. He says, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you water. I'm going to give you something that's going to so satisfy the deepest part of who you are, the deepest part of your soul that you'll never thirst again. It'll be like a spring. It'll just well up to eternal life. And she missed it. And so then he calls out not to judge her, not to condemn her, but he, he's making a point. He's showing her the type of thirst he's really talking about. Go get your husband. I don't have a husband. That's right. You've had five husbands and the one you're sleeping with now isn't your husband. And he says, that's the thirst I'm talking about. And not the sex thirst. We're not thirsty for sex. We're thirsty for satisfaction and we just think sex is gonna give it to us. We're not just thirsty for men and for women. We're thirsty for, for true, genuine fullness and love on the inside of our souls. And we just think there's a man or a woman that might give that to us. The same deal with every other thing. There's no amount of money that's gonna, there's no amount of money that's gonna make you feel good about yourself truly, make you feel worth something. There's no house, there's no car, there's no nothing. There's no career, there's nothing. There's literally nothing that will quench that soul thirst inside of you. And Jesus makes this connection right here. And he says, you've got five husbands because you kept thinking, I'll find the right one and this emptiness inside of me will go away. And he says, you're, about, you're on six. Now you've tried it your way. Are you interested in, in trying it my way? And I want to go back to the, just the original point I made about a wonder. The reason you, you, you leave and you, and you keep thinking there's going to be something else is because whatever you have, it's not satisfying you. Do you know anybody who loves their job, truly loves their job, they're not actively looking for another one. You're only actively looking for another one when there's something about the current one that isn't satisfying you. When you're really truly satisfied in marriage, you don't have dating apps on your phone because you're fully satisfied and you don't need them. And you can take that and you can go through every area of your life. The reason we keep thinking this next thing, that next thing, that next level is because we still fundamentally foolishly, the older you get, the more foolish it is. When you're young, 
It's understandable. But when you've gone down road after road, marriage after marriage, job after job, career after career, dollar amount after dollar amount, whatever it is, and you still, have, you still don't have a sense of peace, you still don't have a sense of, of just satisfaction, your still soul is still thirsty, it's still hungry, you're still looking, you just can't, no matter what it is, and there's no joy in really in the things of life, and it's like there's almost, and the older you get, the more bitter it almost becomes, and the more you struggle, and the more you throw yourself into these things. And Jesus says, you're on six. Seven ain't gonna work. The eighth guy's not gonna cut it. The ninth guy, the 10th guy, the 11th guy. Lady, listen to me. Your soul is thirsty and bros aren't gonna be able to help you there. It's your soul. And that's the water I'm talking about. And I can give you that living water and it's not just a drink, and it's not just a sip, it's not even just a gallon. I will give you a fountain in your soul, and it will overflow all the way up to eternal life. I love the way Jesus says that, all the way up to eternal life, meaning from where you are right now, all the way, all the way through, not just this life, through death, into eternity and forever. He says, I'll give you something right now. You'll stop being thirsty right now and it will only become more and more and more as life goes on all the way up to eternity. And so this is the thing that I need you to understand. If I've been here, I spent many years here and I can tell you I can tell you, and I thank God every day I didn't have to get to the midlife part. I literally thank God every day because I would have if Jesus didn't have a meeting with me like he had with her. I thank God every day for that, that I didn't have to throw away my 20s and my 30s. But this is the beautiful thing about God. It doesn't matter if you're 80 or 100 even. It doesn't matter if you've had five husbands. It doesn't matter if, 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 if there's just a whole path of sin and destruction and chaos behind you. It doesn't matter how many things you've tried, how many cups you've drank from to try to satisfy that thirst. If you will just right where you are, call out to God today, he will save you. He will save you. He wants to save you. He desires to save you. He wants to give you this living water. He doesn't want to condemn you. He doesn't even want to talk about it because he's already died for it. The only conversation he wants you to have about your past is your testimony about how and what he saved you from. And so to that person who's empty, that person who's there, I'm, I'm telling you, don't give that emptiness any more years of your life. And I want to answer the question I said, why well, I wanted to flip here, because I wanted to know what is it really like when, when, when God, what, what changes, what happens? Why, why is marriage unsatisfying that all of a sudden there's hope in it when God gets involved? Why is this job horrible, empty, dreadful, satanic almost? And then you get, because listen, because when God saves you truly and he fills you with this living water and he puts that fountain in the depths of your soul, the more that it builds up, you become satisfied and you become at peace. The greatest marriage you'll ever be a part of is when there's two people fully satisfied in God. 
The best job you'll ever have is when you get satisfied in job. Then it could be a hot dog barn on the side of the road, or you could own a hot dog factory, or you could be the CEO of the greatest hot dog business in the world. Won't matter, you'll be happy. I love hot dogs, if that wasn't clear. This is the thing I want you to understand. You get one life. You get one life. And Jesus says, I wanna give you this living water. And if you will take this living water and you will call out to me and you will save me and you will let me get involved in your life, that water, that will fill up, that will overflow and you will begin to enjoy all the things that, that brought you nothing. You'll begin to enjoy them because God ultimately put them on this earth for our enjoyment. And he says, you will never be able to enjoy it unless I'm fully satisfying you. Then you can get joy from these other things. And this is how you can be in a, a desert wasteland one minute, cry out to God, and then in that same place, there's the road to this place where you can dwell forever. And so I wanna, I wanna read that one more time. Some wandered in desert wastelands finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were continually hungry and thirsty and their souls fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress and he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. So this morning, if you've already walked through this, don't forget where God brought you from and worship him today and celebrate him today. And if you've been redeemed in this way, shout it. But if that's you and you're in the middle of this and you feel God right now, you feel this, this tension in your soul and in your heart, this pressure, maybe even this presence on your life, that's God calling out to you. You do not have to stay lost your entire life. You do not have to be a hopeless wonder your entire life. You do not have to go through this life just hoping you're gonna pick up a rock and there it's gonna be the answer to satisfy you. The only thing that will satisfy you is the love of Jesus Christ, period. And if you need him this morning, he is available. If you're at a house church, you're at a home church, he is available to you. Let God change your life. Let him find you this morning. Shout out to him. He's right there. God is so good to us. He's so good to us.